My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 228 of The Kate Show. One of the most frequent requests I get from interior designers and stagers and organizers and window professionals is this. Can you create a marketing plan for me? And the short of it is yes. I mean, I spend a lot of time doing this on private consulting calls with my vault members, but the longer version of that answer is why don't I just pull back the curtain on my easy six-step strategy process so that you can do it yourself? Yes, you listening to this podcast. Even if you choose to have someone like me do it for you, ultimately, you'll be able to come to our private call feeling prepared and empowered rather than overwhelmed. Getting rid of the overwhelm is essential if you're going to move anything forward in your business and become profitable. So today on The Kate Show, I'm detailing the exact steps you need to take to get your business from rudderless and feeling lost at sea to actually feels confusing, obscure, or even scary. You need to hear this episode because really, a marketing plan is just a plan on how you're going to reach a goal. And if marketing makes you cringe because you have no idea what you're doing and you're overloaded with too many ideas and conflicting information, this episode will bring you clarity. So we're going to get into that. But before we do, I would like to give a shout out to Amanda because Amanda left me a really sweet review on Apple Podcasts recently, and I would like to read that with you guys. Here is what Amanda said. Just want to say that I love Kate's podcast. I also love her services. I will say that in all the noise of social marketing, Kate really makes you feel a little bit better about what you're doing and what you're not doing. It's very grounding to know that your success doesn't depend on how many times you post on Instagram or Facebook. (laughs) Amen, hallelujah, Amanda. And that there are other ways and routes to a successful business. You can be successful in many different ways. You often have to find that within yourself and what you're comfortable with, and Kate's really good at having guests around this topic. Highly recommend. Thanks, Kate. Thank you, Amanda. That made my day. Because to be honest, guys, when you take time to write a review like this, even if it's short... It just does something for me as a podcaster because I'm standing here or sitting here talking to nobody, talking to myself. To be quite honest, right now my recording studio is my walk-in closet because, you know, all the clothes make for a nice sound barrier. But when I'm in here talking to all the t-shirts that I have hanging up, it can be hard for me to know, is this resonating with people? Is this helping them? And when I get reviews like this, it's like, oh, okay, awesome somebody heard me and it was helpful because that's the big thing. I do this podcast to help you guys. I started this podcast because I kept having the same conversations over and over with people on the phone or on Zoom. And I was like, man, how can I get this message out to more people? And then years ago, was it five years ago now? I don't know. The podcast came to life and we're still going strong. So if you have not left me a review yet, and if my podcast has helped you in some way, or encouraged you, or entertained you, or made you roll your eyes, can you let me know? I would absolutely love to hear from you, and make sure you include your name in the review. That way I can give you an actual shout out, like Amanda did. All right, guys, now I want to also thank today's sponsors. Now, before you hit the skip button, because I know that some of you do that, because like sometimes I do that on podcasts too, remember, I only accept sponsors that I believe in, And I either personally use them or I'm partnered with them in some other way. Like people don't just blindly come to me and be like, oh, I'm going to pay you money to talk about me on the show. And I'm like, "Okay, I'll take your money. No, (laughs) it's a lot more complicated than that. I deep dive into what are you doing? How are you helping the home industry? Are you reputable? Are you trustworthy? 
Is your product even good? And that's why I have Sidedoor as a sponsor still after all this time, because they're incredible. And I'm all about working smarter, not harder. And I want that for you guys too. I feel like I have some unfair advantages because I run an online business and it can be a lot easier to stop trading hours for dollars in my situation because I create something once and then can sell it, you know, really endlessly. But with interior design or with any other industry within the larger home industry, that can be almost impossible to do. That's why Side Door was created so that an interior designer like yourself could create a collection of curated pieces, furniture, decor, accessories, and then sell it endlessly and not have to deal with shipping or customer support or anything like that. Because imagine someone like me is like, I really need to outfit my new house. By the way, guys, I just bought a new house. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this house is beautiful, but I don't really know how to make this living room look the way I want to because it just seems like the pieces I'm bringing in no longer work or I'm not sure if these look good together. Maybe they do, but I don't have the confidence to make this decision. And if someone would just point me in the right direction, then we'd be golden. Well, that's where your side door curated collections come in. Because if you were like, hey, Kate, I have this transitional collection for the living room and the items are even good for children and that giant German Shepherd you have and it's good quality and it's all going to look good together and make you feel very confident about the way your home looks, I'd be like, oh, perfect. I'm all about it. And that's how it works. I see a lot of interior designers create collections on side door where they just throw tons of products into a collection and then throw it on their website for sale and nothing sells. Because if you were to say, hey, Kate, here's my collection of 50 different area rugs, I'd be like, okay, thanks, bye, because I'm overwhelmed by that. And so is any other homeowner out there. We don't want to go shopping for ourselves. We want you to curate the collection for us so that we can hand over our money so you can get your commission, which by the way, is around 30% on each sale. So I mean, this is not like affiliate marketing. Affiliate marketing, you might get a percent or maybe if you're lucky, 10% of a sale. So 30% is kind of crazy. It's kind of genius because you have a lot more income potential. You can make this a viable income stream if you work at it. Obviously, there's no such thing as getting rich quick. But when you learn how to implement it and market it, then it becomes a really good income stream. And the good thing is, like I said, you're curating the room package, making the sale, and you're getting paid, and Side Door does the rest. You can sell each package over and over, or you can handcraft a package for each client if you want. Either way, Side Door is a smart way to scale your design firm. So if you want to start using Side Door, you have to apply to join them. Go to onsidedoor.com and get started. All right, our other sponsor for today is HoneyBook. And if you're looking for a streamlined way to really automate your client process, then you need to check out HoneyBook. Because let's say someone fills out the contact form on your website. What happens next? Nothing? Do you have to manually respond? If so, that might end up causing needless delays. What if you had a way for someone to contact you and then you could review their information quick and if it was a go, then you just click a button. They're immediately sent a link to book a call with you or to fill out more information. And it just streamlines everything. You can do this with contracts and invoices and proposals and 
even offboarding for their project, like once the reveal has happened, or if you're an organizer, once you've gotten their space taken care of, you can also have recurring payments. So if you plan to come in every quarter and reorganize a space for them, then you can do that. They can basically have you on retainer and you can do all of this through HoneyBook. So if you would like to try HoneyBook, you can get 35% off your first two years with them if you use the code socialite. So go to share.honeybook.com forward slash socialite or use the code socialite at checkout to save 35% off your first two years. Okay, guys, let's get into today's episode. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Creating a marketing plan probably feels overwhelming, and I get that, but it doesn't have to be that way. So many of us stifle the growth of our businesses because we fear the unknown, and I've been there. I get it. But after listening to today's episode, you are going to have zero excuses left. You're going to walk away from this episode knowing how to create and, more importantly, how to implement a marketing plan that makes sense for your unique business. So let's just get started. This is six steps. I'm going to go through each one. You can always access the show notes for this episode, and I have everything written down, basically the transcript of the whole podcast episode, but it's easy to read. And you can just go through the bullet points if you want. Go to the Kate Show podcast, episode 228, to find that. But let's start with number one. Number one, you need to assess where your business currently stands, because if you want to create a marketing plan that gets your business to the next level, you need to know what level you're at right now. And a lot of you don't know that. And I say that because I talk to a lot of you, and that's okay that you don't know. This is where you start. This is ground zero. It's fine. To easily figure out where you're at right now, you need to ask yourself a series of questions. Now, if you answer yes to the first question, you may proceed to the next one. But if you answer no to a question, you cannot go to the following question until you've made the proper changes in your business so that your answers can be a solid yes all the way down the line. So first question. Do you have at least a general idea of who your ideal client is and thus what they struggle with? If yes, we'll go to the next question. I'm going to assume you all said yes. Do you have a website that gives people an easy way to contact you and, optional but encouraged, a way for them to book a call? If yes, let's continue. Do you have a well-defined path for how you will onboard new clients, meaning when they contact you? what happens next? Is it all helter-skelter? Is it (laughs) willy-nilly? Or do you have a process of, okay, someone completes the contact form, this is what we do next, that's what we do next, and boom, boom, boom. If yes, then continue to the next question, which is, do you offer no more than three services? If yes, then we can move on to the next big step. Let me just recap this quick. You need to know who your ideal client is, because otherwise, there's no way to create a marketing plan to reach them. You need to have a good website because that's the mothership of your entire brand. You should consider letting people book a call with you online, like a 15-minute discovery call, because it's easy and it's professional. You should also have a good way to onboard new clients because some of us are so focused on just getting the first client that we kind of forget we also need a plan on what to do with them once we get them. Because if you can thrill and delight that client, 
that client will turn around and refer other people to you. But if you start working with them and you are just all over the place with your systems and processes, they're not going to be that impressed and neither will you. In fact, you're probably really stressed out. You also need to make sure that you aren't offering conflicting services. So that's why I say try to offer no more than three services. Here's the deal. I work on and review a lot of interior design and home staging and organizing websites and, and window treatments in there. I often include window treatments under the umbrella of interior design. Just so you guys know, I'm not trying to leave out the window treatment people. But what I see happening a lot is you'll have a color consultation service and then you'll have a remodeling consultation service. And it's like, guys, make it all just a consultation because color might come up and remodeling might come up. They should be the same price, the same duration, two hours, whatever it is, that's the most common, and just call it a consultation. That way you're not boxing yourself or the client into what they can and can't ask you about. Same with other aspects of what you're doing. If you're like, well, I do kitchen and bathroom design or I do bedroom design. Okay, it's all just design. And you guys know as well as I do, or even better than I do, when you do one room in the home, somehow you end up working on another room in the home. Hopefully that's not project scope creep and it's just they hired you for a totally separate project and they're paying you well. But it's okay to just say, we offer interior design or we offer organizing or we offer occupied staging and vacant staging and a staging consultation because it's three different things and they're delineated enough that they don't confuse anyone and it just makes sense. Now, I will say before I hop to our next point here because I, <laughs> I'm kind of getting on a soapbox about this. There's been a big trend among interior designers in particular to have a designer for a day service and then a shop with a designer service. And some of you might argue, well, there's a lot of difference between those two services. But here's the thing, from a customer facing perspective, there's really not. And it's just darn confusing. Like, I don't know. Should I hire her for a day? How much can she get done in a day? How much could I help her get done in a day? I don't really know. Should I just have her shop with me? Does she tell me where we're going to shop? Do I tell her where we're going to shop? This is stressing me out. I'll just think about it later. And that think about it later part makes you lose the lead. So try to make your packages tailored to your ideal client, have no more than three of them, and have them make sense. All right, the second step is kind of fun. You should dream about where you want your business to be 12 months from now. Because yes, it's okay to dream. Just don't confuse your dreams with goals. A dream is a desire that you have. A goal is the end result of an action plan. A dream might be completely attainable or totally unrealistic. Don't judge yourself. Just write down what your ultimate dream is for your business 12 months into the future. You'll probably write down more than one dream. That's okay. Start to rank your dreams by attainability. So if you've got a dream that's way out there, put that one at the end of the list. But if you've got a dream that's more sensible, like, you know, I need to rebrand because X, Y, and Z, or I need a website because X, Y, and Z, put that towards the top because that's attainable. The third thing you need to do is pick your goal by selecting one of those dreams that you just prioritized. So if your dream is to have more clients, turn that into a goal by determining how many more clients you want to have in the next 12 months. If you offer different levels of service and different levels of pricing, you can create a range instead of an exact number. Maybe you only want 10 more clients in the next year, or maybe you want 100. When determining this number, take into account your own bandwidth and lifestyle preferences. 
Do you want to work seven days a week or do you want to work three days a week? Make your final client count reflect how you want to spend your time. Now, if your dream is to hire another person to help run the business, research how much you would need to pay them and then calculate how many projects you would need to sustain their pay and fill their hours. Now, guys, when you are trying to bring someone onto your business, often the first thing that people do is hire a VA. And that's fine if the VA is just going to do busy work, admin work. But if you are looking to really grow your business, you need to hire a professional. They don't need to be on your payroll. They can be subcontracted out. But when you're talking about bookkeepers or coaches, marketing people, (laughs) people like that, they need to know what they're doing because this is an investment that you're making in your business. And I will talk about this a little bit more at the end, so I'll just move on. If your dream is to finally get featured in a shelter magazine, make a list of which magazines you want to feature your work. You can certainly have more than one goal but you should try to focus on one of them at a time just to be efficient because guys, multitasking is so outdated. Monotasking is where it's at. I'm trying to get better at that. Today's episode of The Kate Show is brought to you in part by your website. Wait, what? Is this right? Yes, your website emailed The Kate Show and did it by itself, by the way, okay? And like asked me to tell you something. Your website said it really needs a tune-up maybe even a complete makeover. It feels bad that it can't send you more clients and it wants to make it right with you. Oh, poor website. Seriously though, if you're ready for your website to make you look professional and attract the right clients, you need to take action. Go to katethesocialite.com to check out our beautiful website templates. They're really easy to customize and we even tell you exactly what you should say on each page of your website so that you can start speaking directly to your ideal client while also having better SEO. Go to katethesocialite.com to pick the website design that's right for you. Number four, create steps to whatever goal you've chosen, but make them tasks. Let's say you want 24 new clients over the next 12 months. That equals two new clients per month. Where are those new clients most likely to find you? Well, I actually know that answer. They're going to find you because they're going to be referred by someone they trust. However, Finding you does not equal hiring you. Your marketing plan must be multifaceted. Don't space out here, guys. Stick with me, okay? You need to hear this. First of all, make sure your website is complete. Make sure your lead magnet aligns with who you want to work with. Make sure that you have a solid monthly blog post going out and a monthly email newsletter being published. Why? Well, it doesn't make sense to ask for referrals or to network with people if you aren't ready to receive and nurture the leads. It would be discouraging to know that people who learned about you were deterred by the lack of information on your website or confused by the unclear path to working with you. Take care of your business needs and make it worth their attention. Second, make a list of all the different places your ideal client is already spending their time. Is your ideal client involved in a local club that you could join? Do they listen to a specific podcast that you could be a guest on? Are they part of an industry organization that you could join? Third, Assess who else might have your same ideal client without offering services that compete with yours. So right now, we're just kind of making a list of these are things that need to be done. The fifth step is to actually assign these tasks to people, whether it's yourself or your administrative assistant, your VA, whatever, and put them on a real calendar. Maybe you use Asana or you Google Calendar or you're a pen and paper type of person. Put it on the calendar. Put it on a date. So it might look something like this. 
make necessary changes to the website. You're putting that on June 1st and you're assigning it to yourself. Start a monthly blog post, but also come up with topics that align with our ideal client and increase website traffic. Okay, that one you're going to go assign to Socialite, let's just say. I had to say that. Come on, guys. So that means you're putting the ball in our court. We're going to start working on that right away. The next task is create a lead magnet that makes sense for your service as an ideal client. Well, who's doing that? You, the admin, socialite, somebody else. Figure out who. Put it on the schedule. Tell that person, this is your job now. I'll oversee you, but you're doing the work. And that's beautiful viewing, by the way. You guys don't have to do all the work here. And the last thing is you, you might have on your list, or not even the last thing, just um, another thing you might have on your list is email automation that delivers a lead magnet to the people who signed up for it. Another thing is create the recurring monthly newsletter. So figure out what topics you need or hire someone to both figure out the topics and create the content. Another task is choose one networking event per month. No sales pitch needed, but someone needs to attend it. So who's going to do it? What event is that going to be? And put that one on the calendar too. So Basically, you're making the task of, quote, select a networking event to attend, end quote, and assigning it to, to John Smith. It's his job to go figure out what networking event and to put himself in the vehicle, drive to the event, and attend. Then another thing you could do is identify other businesses or professionals who serve the same ideal client that you do, and then brainstorm beneficial ways to collaborate or partner with them. So you're not going to those businesses and saying, okay, I'm going to partner with you, you, and you, because you don't know who those businesses are yet. You're assigning someone the task of figuring out who the businesses are and then approaching said businesses with an offer to collaborate. But you don't have to stop there because if you make a to-do list and then you forget about it, that does not create a marketing plan that creates a useless list of tasks. But if you list out the tasks and then you put them in your calendar, and assign them to people, including yourself, that's how you hit the gas pedal on that plan. That's how you grow your business. Now, you might feel overwhelmed by the sheer number of things that need to be done before you could even start counting the new clients, but you can do this. Even if you're running your business alone, you can do this. The final step of your marketing plan would be prioritizing getting your tasks done and also overseeing whoever is helping you do the tasks. If you don't make time for your own marketing, who else will? You're the only person who can make your business successful. Magic dust in the form of another online course, another mastermind, or another marketing podcast will inspire you, but inspiration doesn't automatically roll your revenue, does it? It's still your responsibility to do your own marketing or to hire someone to do it for you. Now, I've seen plenty of businesses outsource their marketing to virtual assistants, to the junior designer on their team, to their former college roommate, or their adult child. None of these people are responsible for generating the marketing plan or for analyzing its impact on your goals. You are. The same is true of professionals in micro-marketing niches like Instagram. If you hire a social media manager and you wonder why leads aren't coming in, it's your job to assess whether social media even makes sense as part of your marketing plan. That's the, the beautiful and the ugly part about being an entrepreneur. It all stops with me, the business owner. It all stops with you. That's where the buck stops. You can't blame anybody else. If something that you're doing isn't working, it's on us as the owners of our business to take ownership and figure out 
what needs to change, and then make sure it gets implemented. Now, I do want to leave you guys with something to think about here, if you're not already <laughs> thinking about a lot. If your budget is tight and you know that marketing or asking for help is going to cost money, then step back and think about these things. First of all, the cost of doing business is a real expense. While you can bootstrap most of it in the beginning, if you're trying to level up and not stay stuck, you're going to need to upgrade. Upgrade something, upgrade the help you're getting, upgrade the online tool, upgrade whatever it is. If you need to upgrade a, an online tool because it will automate your email delivery or it will help your business run more smoothly, consider it an investment worth making. If you need to hire a professional, consider it an investment worth making. The time that you would spend doing these things manually is time you could have spent doing things that only you can do, like networking or working with clients or spending time with your family. Opportunity cost should always be a key factor when making marketing decisions. Yes, you could go the cheap route. But what sort of opportunity is that going to cost you? Something to think about. Another thing to think about is that it costs less and profits you more to outsource the tasks that you hate doing. Now, trust me, there are plenty of marketing and business tasks that you can do on your own if you make the time. Then there are others that you just hate the thought of doing and you'll never make the time for them anyway, no matter how much you keep writing them on your to-do list. And you don't want to learn how to do them. so you might as well just find someone who can do it and enjoy doing it. You can also cut unnecessary expenses from your business by canceling things like Google Ads spend and social media spend. Google Ads, which is just a form of advertising, should be used after your marketing plan has been completely set up, if at all. Advertising brings attention to the marketing that already exists, and advertising is not at all fruitful without marketing. On the other hand, or rather in a continuation of that, social media has proven both anecdotally and statistically to be ineffective at reaching and converting clients for service-based custom businesses in the home industry. At the end of the day, you get to decide whether your business will be successful and whether it's worth investing time or money into. If you think your business is worth it and you act accordingly, so will your clients because like attracts like. All right, guys, that is what I have for you this week. Kind of a heavy thing to think about, but it doesn't have to be overwhelming. In fact, the moment you start taking the first few steps into creating your marketing plan, the overwhelm will begin to dissipate. Because the best way to squash your paranoia, to squash that frustration and the feeling of disempowerment, is to take action. So that's what I want you to do this week. Until next week, I want you to keep your marketing simple. Keep your message clear. That's really what the marketing plan is all about. And I'm here for you when you need it. All right, guys, I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.